0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. All right, well, if you're new with us today, uh, you should know the sermon this morning is going to be a little different. Uh, through, through an organization called World Orphans, we have had a partnership with the church in Haiti for, I think it's seven years now, might be more. Uh, And that partnership is all about caring for vulnerable children. So we use this term, OVC, kids. It means orphan or vulnerable child. Um, Many of them um, are double orphans, lost both parents. Um, Many of them lost one parent, and then some of them, their parents are still alive, but uh, the poverty and the situations there are just overwhelming enough to make them quite vulnerable. And so we really are talking about some of the poorest people in one of the world's poorest countries. Um, So it's just poor. And our financial giving has helped provide um, homes, education, food, basic medical care, all in the name of Jesus through a local church, Um, like I said, for seven years, and and some of the blessings of this are we're seeing kids who used to be here, um, up here. And you've been able to to know that they're, they're doing okay or they're doing better than they would be doing um, due to our, our love and our concern. So that's so rewarding. So I wanna just thank you for that and I also wanna give you, owe you a report of that trip. And so in a little bit, not yet, I'll ask uh, the team members to come up. They're each gonna share kind of a nugget of what they experienced with you. Um, but before we do that, uh, I wanna give you some roots for the work, biblical roots. Uh, for why and how we want to do this, and amazingly it 's from this this passage works wonderfully. The reason this is amazing is because most of you know i don 't plan ahead it 's not like my greatest spiritual gift. I fully believe some of you who are so good at it, you stole from me somehow, and you have some gifts that should have been mine. Um, how long have we been going through second corinthians i don 't know since January, right and then We land on this text today, and as you heard it, you might think, that's kind of one of those transition texts. Paul's going to tell us about who he's sending. Okay, can we go to a more important text? And then you realize that that text, which God sovereignly ordained for our Sunday this morning, is all about what? What's what's the background of this text in 2 Corinthians? It's charity work for the poor. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul is is writing about having generous hearts, hearts that love uh, to give of our own resources for the blessing of others. And if you were with us two weeks ago, we talked about that quite a bit. Um, And then in this passage today, he gets at kind of the nuts and bolts of it. So let's remember some of these amazing things. Look at this verse. Will you read it with me? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Let's remember this. This is what changes our hearts. What do we know, what do we need to remember? The grace of our Lord Jesus. Now what's grace? undeserved, lavish love. So if you're sitting here thinking, I don't deserve Jesus' love, that's so true. It's like a backhanded compliment. Um, Even less than you think. But the beauty of it is, what does he give us even though we don't deserve it? Lavish love. So if you know you don't deserve it, you're in great company because that means it's for you. Undeserved, lavish love of our Lord Jesus Christ And look at this picture of it. Look at this angle on the gospel. Though he was rich, how was Jesus rich? Uh, He's one of these weird people who says um, before he's he was around before he was born, and that um, he was sent. He was he was sent. Who was Jesus before the incarnation? Before he took on flesh. Eternal Son of God, worshiped by myriads of angels, God of God, in in every way, fully God. Um, How rich are you if you're God? I don't know. It's just a different category, right? What did he become for our sake? Poor. Jesus took the greatest demotion in the history of the universe, the greatest loss of standard of living ever. How did he become poor? Well, he set aside the glory of his divinity and became a baby. Um, Lived life as a human, a poor human, no place to lay his head, born to poor parents. Not only that, you think of his poverty and his suffering. How about the cross? The cross, where he took on our sins for us. The grace of our Lord Jesus, though he was rich, he became poor. For whose sake? Why did he do this? For us, for you, for me, um, for people that he loves. He gave up everything, all his riches, to come get us so that we, by his poverty, his life, his death, for us, in our place, that we might become rich. Now, how have we become rich? Turn off the televangelist here for a second. Does this mean if you trust Jesus, you're going to make millions of dollars and uh, drive Ferraris or whatever? Listen, don't bring that. Yeah. It's, why is it not working for you yet? When is it going to happen? That's so great. Don't tell that to the church in Haiti, okay? You know, we're gonna, we're gonna see a picture of them worshiping on a Sunday morning. And, the, and I, I'm always amazed as I worship with them that if any of us were put into their shoes, we'd all be like, God, how can you be real if you let me suffer like this? We'd all be doubting our faith. <laughs> and they're coming in and worshiping. There's a different richness, right? A better richness than money. It's being a child of God It's being an internal inheritor of his kingdom. This is massive truth. And the more you know God's grace for you and what he's done for you and how you didn't deserve it, the more your heart gets changed. Your heart gets amazed that you're loved like this. And all of a sudden, what do you want to do for others? Just a little bit more. You want to do the same thing. And so we're going to see nuts and bolts of what Paul is after here. He's trying to get the church in Corinth to, um, to raise money and to send money with other churches to these poor believers in Jerusalem to care for their needs. And what we see in this passage here today are some really amazing, amazing truths. One is we're going to see a, a truth about our, ourselves as the church, amazing truth about the, about the church, And then we're gonna see how that truth guides our, charity is the word I'm using. Um, Generous giving to those in need. So an amazing truth and a truth that guides our charity. So let's start here, chapter eight, verse 23. It seems to be just kind of a a sideline line. line. Paul's telling the church about Titus, the guy he's gonna send to, to handle this work. So verse 23, As for Titus, he's my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches. All right. And then he just opens this dynamite can of amazingness. Last phrase of the sentence. What does he call the churches? They are messengers of the churches. The what? The glory of Christ. What did he just say? The churches, this network of churches. And what are they? The glory of Christ. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does glory mean? It's worth, it's weight, it's beauty, it's value. It's wonder, something's glorious. It's, it's heavily beautiful, it's awesome. And if, uh, if you're a Christian, you know whose glory has won your heart. Who's the most glorious person ever? Jesus Christ, glorious, beautiful. Um, my, one of my favorite pictures of this is in the book of Revelation where in the blink of an eye, you see Jesus as a lion. And what do you think a lion stands for? What's the symbolism there? Strength, power, um, Wisdom to judge, the power to judge, the power to guide history, the king. He reigns, he's victorious. And then in the blink of an eye, you know what he looks like next? A lamb, as though he's been slain. What do you think of a lamb? You now I always giggle when you think there aren't any sports teams, to my knowledge, called the lambs. Because a lamb has never won a victory <laughs> through its power or strength. Um, a, lamb, a, a lamb that's slain, he's the perfect sacrifice for our sins, and he's so humble. He's so humble. What does he do with the leper? Nobody wants to be with a leper. What does Jesus do? He touches him. What does he do with the Samaritan woman who's been around the block four or five times? Nobody cares about her. What does he do with her? He sits with her. He drinks with her. He talks with her. What does he do with the marginalized? What was he called friend of sinners? And so the juxtaposition of both of these truths simultaneously, that he is at once the lion and the lamb. Well, I love him. He's glorious. Who's more glorious than that? He's Jesus. And then for Paul to say the churches are the glory of Christ. Now, first of all, we're a little cynical. Uh, how many of you have been hurt, disgusted by, frustrated by, run over by a church or someone in the church? I don't know how many times I've heard, I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites. I don't go to church because of what happened to me. I don't go to church because of what somebody said to me. And then you hear this phrase, the churches are the glory of Christ, and you go, Well, Either Christ isn't very glorious or Paul missed it here somehow. They're not actually his glory. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? In what way could the churches, and these are just networks of local churches, in what way could it possibly be that we are the glory of Christ? I just want to give you this real quick. I think this plays out in two ways. Number one is it's who we are to him. It's who we are to him. Um, Who are you to Jesus? Who are we to Jesus? That's why you go back to that, that word grace. Who do you deserve to be to Jesus? It's not great. Who are you to Jesus in his grace? Can you think of a major image for the relationship between Jesus and his church? We're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Are are we ugly sometimes? Are we mean sometimes? Are we still his? Does he still love us? Does he not only see us and love us as we are, but see us and love us for who he's making us to be? This beautiful bride. We are precious to Jesus. And I was away from you, I was thinking, "You, you are so precious to Jesus, this church. You're the glory of Christ. He glories in you. He loves you. He adores you by his grace. Not only that, not only it's who we are to him, it's who we can be for him and who we are for him. Where else on the planet will you see the glory of Jesus better displayed than in the local church? Where are you going to hear of his beauty, see people who love him? Where are you going to be able to practice forgiveness um, Jesus said, they'll know you belong to me by your love. And as we love one another, it's a message to the world that we're his. We get to glorify him in who we are. Do you feel this fountain of life? Who are you? We're the glory of Christ. Now we have to be careful, it's not just we. Fountain of life only is the glory of Christ, false, right? No, but we Every local church that loves and trusts Jesus is the glory of Christ. The church universal, all of them, we're the glory of Christ. Right here today, we're nothing special in and of ourselves, but we have Jesus, and so we're deeply special. We are the glory of Christ because of his love for us and what he's doing in and through us. Be amazed. Okay, and now make it practical. How do you feel about the local church? How do you feel about the local church? Because see, this passion in Paul is why he's doing this. He believes that the stage for the glory of Jesus in the world is the local church, every local church. And if you have any estimation of the beauty of Jesus, if you love him, that's going to echo down in your love for what? The church. If you love Jesus, you'll love the church. Look at what Paul says in verse 16. Thanks be to God, so what's he doing? Thank God, God did something. And what did God do in verse 16? He put into the heart of Titus, so God put something in someone's heart, and what was it? The same earnest care I have for you. What did God put into Titus' heart? Deep love for the Corinthian church. Now, if you're a little bit of a Bible scholar, what do you know about the Corinthian church? It's the dumpster fire of early churches. (laughs) If there was ever a church you were going to leave and say they're a bunch of hypocrites, I'm done, this is the church. They've misused nearly everything. Nearly everything. So if you're gonna use a framework of works Oh, well, Jesus only loves those who deserve to be loved. Well, we'd leave the Corinthian church a long time ago, but be careful because you might end up making a standard where Jesus leaves you too. Jesus' grace for this church, right? He loves them. And God put into Titus the same care. Do you see what happens when you love Jesus? What's he gonna put in your heart? Love for the church, even difficult churches, painful churches, Messy churches? Yeah. Because you start to love the church like he loves you. You start to know and taste his grace. Isn't that beautiful? And I was telling somebody that I was sitting there in Haiti last Sunday morning uh, worshiping with them and wishing I was here for some reasons, some of you know about, Um, but glad I was there at the same time. And they just happened to sing this song's probably overplayed if it's made it to Haiti. Uh, 10,000 Reasons, right? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And I knew, because I had a hand in the songs that were being played while I was gone, I knew y'all were singing that song. And guess what the Haitians started singing that Sunday morning? The same song. And it was this great little, I don't know, this great little encouragement for me of, uh, this text is in my mind, of, of the Lord in his global church and we're all worshiping him, and he's, in all these, and he's in all these places together. And that church is the glory of Jesus, just as much as we. So that's a fundamental truth, and it'll change your life if you see that. It'll also change how you do charity. Look at verse 19. Paul's talking again about somebody he's sending um, as a part of this group to carry the funds. Verse 19, not only that, this guy he's been talking about, he's been appointed by the church to travel with us as we carry out, now, here's the practical details. They're taking money from the Gentile churches to meet the needs of the poor in Jerusalem. But look at how, what Paul calls it. As we carry out this act of what? Grace. Uh, what's grace again? Love you don't deserve, and it's changed our hearts, and now this giving of uh, one church taking their resources and giving them to another church, it's now called an act of what? Grace. It's grace on two levels. Number one, God's given us the resources to be able to give to others, right? Amen. Amen. Everything we have is from him. It's a gift of grace. But even more fundamentally than that, it's a gift of grace to our hearts to make us want to give. You know, we saw um, last week, we'll see again, there's never a New Testament prescription on how much money you have to give. Guess who decides how much you give? You do. Each one should give as they've decided. You decide. So what we're always pushing on is not numbers. It's the heart. Are you feeling and knowing God's grace for you in Christ? And is that coming out in how we relate to others? Because this is a gift of grace ministered by us. And then look what Paul says in verse 19. For what? For the glory of the Lord himself. And you remember, who who are the churches? We're the glory of Christ because of who we are to him and how we live for him. And what's one way we glorify Christ in this verse? Taking an act of grace of giving our resources to those who need it. And who's glorified? Jesus is glorified as we do this in his name. That's what Paul is all about here. That's what he's after here. Guess what we're after in Haiti? The same thing this act of grace, God working in us to have a concern for other churches outside ourselves. You know, by the way, couldn't we have used, if you add this money up in seven years, it's a little bit of a chunk of change for our little church. Couldn't we have used that for other stuff? I mean, there's some spots on the carpet that aren't, are kinda ugly. Um, we, we, could've, we could've added some here and there with this kind of money. But one thing we wanna do with our money, what's happened? We care. We care about them too, and we want to give some of what we have to them for the glory of the Lord Himself. Back up again, Christian. What's bigger than the glory of Jesus? Is there a greater mission than that? Nothing's better than this. And then look at verse twenty-four. Look what Paul says to them: Give proof before the churches of your love, and our boasting about you. <laughs> it's a, a gentle prod. What's the proof of love in this context from one church to the other? It's money. Are you allowed to say that? It's money. There are people with no food. How do you get food? Well, one, one solid way is to buy it. Um, And there are some cases where proof of love means generous giving. And that's the way we're trying to love these folks in Haiti. And God gets the glory. You know it's true, um, as we've been able to meet with some of the same people over time and interview with some of the, uh, the caregivers and these amazing people who are trying to care for all these kids in their little mud huts. Um every, you you do get a few come up to you with a translator and they just say, We just thank God so much for how you're helping us. And then when we say publicly, we're doing this because of the gospel, you know, we're all there. We're we're living this passage out. Jesus grace to us, Jesus grace to them, our helping them in this way, them challenging, encouraging us in other ways. Who gets glorified? Jesus does. Our churches, we're the glory of Christ. It's precious. So number one, we are the glory of Jesus. Number two, we glorify Jesus with generous love, proven by giving. Here's another way we wanna glorify the Lord. Look at verses 18 and 19. Uh, so, so Paul's giving this list of these guys he's sending, okay? We're sending the brother who's famous among all the churches for his preaching the gospel. I think that's funny, because he's famous for preaching, and what's his name? We have no idea. <laughs> so just so you know, if you're famous at one point, you might not be famous later. Don't work hard too hard to be famous. Anyway, he's going, whoever he is. And verse 19, not only that, uh, he's been appointed by the churches to travel with us. Paul's sending Titus. Apostolic band, I'm gonna send Titus. The churches, specifically of Macedonia, they're sending nameless famous person. Why is this important? There's going to be another person going as well. Verse 22, we're sending uh, a brother we've often tested and found earnest in many matters. Why is that important? Because these people are going to carry lots of money. (laughs) That's why it's important. Lots of money. Now, for us, it's easier to move money around than it was for them. For them, even this journey from, this, from, the, from point A to point B is incredibly dangerous. And I, I don't think they could wire money back then. So they have to actually carry it. Um, and so what's the reason for this varied delegation? Where, by the way, Paul's not touching any of it. The one who's pushing for it isn't touching any of it. Do you see why? Look down in verse 20. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that's being administered by us, for we aim at what? What's honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but in the sight of men. So Paul is saying we want to have blameless integrity in the way we handle this process. And the way we handle this money, blameless integrity. If you've looked into charity at all and how it works, you realize how difficult this is. You realize how difficult it is. Sometimes we're like, oh, I gave five bucks to a homeless person. That was nice of you. It didn't do anything. Um, No offense, but the charity I think we should be after is transformative charity, right? Right? It's the old cliche, give a man a fish. I can't finish the cliche. Anyway, supposedly you're supposed to teach him how to fish. (laughs) Feed him a snack versus feed him for a lifetime. Giving, where you just give and then you leave, versus enabling, training. Transformative charity, well you try that, And it's so difficult. There's book after book written about how, you know, even Western governments have given billions of dollars um, to all sorts of impoverished nations. And what has changed? It's amazing. Very little has changed. But there's some groups that are doing uh, great work seeing some transformative change over time. World Orphans is trying to be a group like that. It's trying to be a group like that. That's why we try to, to, to give to something that gives long-term education to kids. That's why they're really working on and experimenting with ways to provide job training, group savings kind of thing. So to, to not just hand out, I mean, should, should we hand out emergency things to those who can't do anything? Yes, we should. But should we also try to alleviate that so that the next generation or, or these same people don't have to stay in that situation, but they can become self-sustainable Of course, we wanna handle things with integrity. And I appreciate how that echoing in this passage, we try to echo it in this church, we try to handle things with integrity, we're trying to handle it with integrity with World Orphans and with our partner church in Haiti. We got to have a four-hour conversation with them on Friday, just celebrating what God had done over seven years and then working on um, how we need to see better excellence in certain things. And it was so great to have Church representatives there, world orphan, Haiti representatives, world orphan, stateside representatives, and our church represented in this great conversation. And it had such a great spirit to, me, to it, and it left me with a lot of hope for how things can improve. But it's, it's this idea. We want to have integrity because we want to do what's honorable in the sight of two audiences. Who do we want to please in our integrity? We want to please God, right? We want to please God with our integrity. We are not going to misuse what people have given. And who else do we want to impress in the right way? The world. It's all about, because why? The churches are the what? The glory of Christ. We need to look like it in how we handle financial matters and how we handle even things like charity. Uh, So we've seen the church is the glory of Christ. That means we want to give generously to one another for his glory. It also means we want to do this process with integrity for his glory. Last one. Look at verse 16. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care for you. What happens next? Verse 17. He not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he's what? He's going to you of his own accord. Read through the book of Acts. It's the story of of Paul planning all these churches. Every once in a while, you'll be amazed at the great risk he takes to go visit churches and encourage them. You know, many times I've wondered if the cost and work of a trip to go to Haiti is worth it, because it's a lot of money. And so it's a fair question to say, shouldn't we just send another check? And you think that until you go, And then you see the value of Christians loving one another face to face. And I know there's a lot I don't get through cross-cultural communication, but I am 100% sure they are really moved by the fact that we come, that we sit with them, that the kids climb all over us. And I, you know, it is worth the question, did Jesus just write you a check? Or did he come in the flesh Um, the love is palpable. And that's the fourth picture of this charity when we glorify the Lord. There's a relationship of love. It's it's the way they host us and work so hard to, to feed us well. It's the way we are with them, next to them. It glorifies the Lord. So what are we after in Haiti? Well, we have this fundamental principle about who we are and who they are. Who are we? We're the glory of Christ together. That means we're gonna treasure one another in a certain way. Secondly, that means because of who we are to one another, we're gonna give generously. We're gonna prove love by meeting needs as we can. Third, because we're the glory of Christ, we wanna handle this with integrity, above board, the best we can. And fourth, we wanna, what word do you wanna put it? We wanna visit warmly. We wanna enjoy fellowship. Um, Because we're not just a business transaction. We're the family of God. That's what we're trying to do in Haiti. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.